Hey everyone, Craig Adams here. Welcome to my podcast. Today's an interview with Jupiter Hikes. He's a long distance through hiker with more than 9,000 miles under his belt, which is way more than me. I feel like a beginner compared to this guy. He's got a lot of knowledge on trail. He's a very humble and chill dude. He also fits the description of an extreme ultralight minimalist hiker. And I think he said that his base weight was down to like five or six pounds at one point, which is very light and almost one third of what I start out with on trail. So we talk about that, the hiking community, what it's like being a video creator in the space, and how hiking has helped him out in some dark periods of his life. So let's get into it. Yeah, you kind of touch upon that online. Um, without giving too many details, uh, it sounds like through hiking and throwing yourself into nature and doing these long distance hikes kind of got you out of a dark place. So it kind of solved problems for you? Absolutely. You know, it, it kind of gave me something else to focus on that wasn't uh, negative. And I find this in a lot of the community with through hiking and also ultra running. Like, you know, these people that start running when maybe they're trying to quit smoking or quit, you know, doing worse things than that. And uh, they find running or in my case, I found hiking and it you know, it was just something to obsess over that wasn't, you know, uh, negative things. So yeah, it was an extremely positive thing. And I, I've often said that, you know, hiking kind of saved my life in that way. You know, it gave me something positive to do. And now, especially with like all the sharing and helping others, uh, do the same. There's so many, so many reasons to hike. And if you can help other people and enable hikers, whether it's their first time out or to get more confident with longer hikes, like it's one thing to do a day hike. It's another to do an overnight, but to help people gain the confidence to do like a month or two month long hike, you know, that's, that's helping the community. That's empowering. That's good. Right. Yeah. Or even, you know, I'm all for the day hiking and the overnight hiking too. I, you know, not everyone is in a position they can take off uh, months or years or whatever to go do something uh, massive. But, you know, I think something like especially a lot of the trails you're doing where, you know, I figure most of them are in the 100 mile range or something. You don't need to quit your entire career. You don't need to leave your family to go do them. And you can still have this like life changing experience, you know, seeing these new places and experiencing that culture. And yeah, I think you're right. So the sub 100 mile range, like uh, take a some vacation days type hike for people who do nine to fives. I think that works. I was hoping to do the PCT this year, but I had to cancel. So we'll see when I really? when I do that... something bigger, but we're not sure. Wow. I, I would love to see your videos from the PCT. You know, I've really enjoyed like uh, all these videos from you hiking around the world, but you know, it's hard to compare to because there's not many other people who are doing that. Whereas seeing you on the PCT would be fun just because there are other creators and other videos out there where I could kind of be like, you know, it it's more something that I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you did the PCT, um, and you have an older series. Uh, do you think you would do it again? What was what was your experience? Because it was it it was a, a little while ago, right? Well, I did not complete it. That was uh, I, you know, 
these these hikes are never guaranteed and mm -hmm. uh things can go wrong you know regardless of how much experience i had or felt i had or anything like that was it was I it foot pain breaking my foot oh man i knew oh, it. Well, i broke i broke <laughs> i broke two bones in my foot um oh. i think because i was wearing too minimal of shoes or maybe i also didn't train hard enough you know i just wasn't quite there and i certainly didn't start out slow you know so Jeez. all these things combined i broke my foot about 200 miles in and i actually wound up hiking on a broken foot for another 800 miles before deciding to get off the trail and figure out like i just can't keep doing this <laughs> i didn't even know my foot was broken i just knew like some days were excruciatingly painful and other days were okay you know i thought i didn't i have no idea what i thought you know i think when you've invested so much time and money into something, it's it's hard to give that up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect example <laughs> of continuing for another month walking like 20 plus miles a day on two broken bones. Oh, that's my nightmare. Yeah. I, I would hate that because it's you, you kind of want to push yourself and fight through the pain, but you literally shouldn't <laughs> if you have a broken foot. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And it actually, you know, I try and look at the silver lining of anything, uh, and it actually worked out for the best in some ways that I was able to come home, and that was truly when I started making videos, because I could not walk around, I could not go outside, you know, I was just totally stationary, so I started making videos, mm. and uh, yeah, <laughs> that kind of has evolved from now, and it's been really fun you know it kind of gave me that uh something to do while i was so stationary at home and you know it's really turned into something that i really enjoy doing and want to get better at and really love you know sharing stuff sharing these trips in a different way so you've shared multiple uh upload you know hikes longer hikes broken into sections uh, you, you do some gear reviews, uh, and then you also do some weird videos. <laughs> I like the, uh, the hot ones episode with John Z, uh, silly. Oh yeah. Hilarious. I, I just, you know, me and John, uh, loved that show hot ones and we would just like sit by ourselves eating some like veggie fake chicken wings and with stupid hot sauce. And I thought like, you know, we should just like film this. <laughs> <laughs> Like maybe someone else would enjoy it. So yeah, like a little fan made hot ones or I did a couple other just like, you know, silly videos because I, I myself, you know, I watch like a lot of sketch comedy videos on YouTube and love Dave Chappelle show or Key and Peele. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I hadn't really seen anyone else doing that with like hiking stuff. And I thought, hey, you know, that would be a lot of fun. So done quite a few of those and they are a lot of fun. <laughs> So what types of videos do you want to make more on your channel? Do you picture uploading maybe this year or next year? Or what do you think people want to see and what do you want to make? Man, that that's just, you know, it's hard to know like what other people want to see. So ultimately, I figure I'm just going to make the things that I would want to see. You know, so right now I've been uploading videos from my most recent through hike of the Florida Trail. And uh, after that, you know, my mission is, you know, to help other people get out there and do these trails and, you know, maybe help promote the trails. Because say some of these shorter hikes like the Florida Trail or 
maybe that one I did in Kentucky, the shelter we trace, you know, they just don't really have the, the volunteers yet, or they don't really have the funding yet. So I, I feel like it's some way that I can help by kind of sharing those trips. So I'd like to keep doing that, you know, trails that are lesser known. You know, I kind of got some on my map, like the Ouachita Trail in Arkansas. You know, I don't think a lot of people are looking at that, but I've just heard it's like really cool. And, you know, everyone wants to do the PCT or the Appalachian Trail. And here there's like so many amazing hikes in the United States that may be easier for you to do or, you know, like the people that live nearby don't need to travel across the country to have one of these like journeys. They could probably do it in their backyard. There's probably a trail there. So I definitely want to share more like shorter trails that are maybe less known. And then, you know, I've really enjoyed those like comedy skits. So hopefully more of that and, you know, talking about gear because I like gear and but yeah, just, I guess, trying to have fun with it and trying to do stuff that I enjoy regardless of what other people would think. You know, it is hard to drown out the the thoughts of others, though. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you've run... It sounds like you're going in the opposite direction, which I'm struggling with kind of picking the low-hanging fruit and making videos and hiking the more popular trails, like the PCT, I was going to do that, but I've done, you know, Tour de Mont Blanc, I've done some Peru trails, but I would like to do some more lesser known uh, hikes that are more local in the U.S., um, but I always feel like I'm always looking for those big mountains with the beautiful views. Um, maybe it would be better to, you know, hike some stuff that is a little flatter and closer to home. Uh, and growing up in Florida, yeah, there aren't know. that many mountains down there. So what was it like hiking in flat areas? And, you know, like e even your Appalachian uh, videos, like uh, some, some, of the, some of the mountains don't even peak above the alpine zone. So you're not going to get too many great views uh, comparatively to like big mountains, right? Yeah, yeah. The Appalachian Trail specifically is just, you know, it, it's it's cool in different ways. It's cool in different ways, but, you know, I'd say just do what you love, you know, if it's those big views and those big mountains, then that's, that's where I would be. But, you know, uh, with like the Florida trail, for instance, it's certainly doesn't have those big mountains and certainly doesn't have those like big views, but, you know, it's more so this like lush jungle in so many places where you're going under these oak trees with just all these ferns hanging off of them or, you know, maybe walking through like some swampy areas or underneath like just a trail underneath these like hammocks of palm trees where kind of like the light shines through as if you're looking through like stained glass or, you know, so the Florida Trail and some of these others, they, they have stuff that's special about them, but in very different ways yeah you know, so part of why i wanted to share the florida trail was because i think it has a really weird reputation so i was hoping like maybe you know if people saw it you know if people experienced it then maybe they would feel differently about it <laughs> yeah and yeah. i think if you slow down you can find beauty everywhere if you're willing to look for it you know you don't really need the big yeah. cra crazy white cap mountains I know uh, Matt from ZPAX talks about, like, you only have so many miles in your life. You only have so many, like, miles you can hike before, you know, you can't really hike anymore. So he just wants to do those, like, really epic, epic, epic trails. And I totally understand that. He doesn't want to waste any time. Mm -hmm. 
But, uh, you know, if something calls to you, like, you know, Florida calls to me, or hopefully maybe some people who have been watching the videos calls to them, then uh, check it out, you know, give it a shot. So it sounds like you've been up and down the East Coast, and you've done the Eastern, you know, what was it? it was called the Eastern Continental, right? That you call it? Yeah, the Eastern Continental Trail. Cool. So that connected uh, the International Appalachian Trail, the Appalachian Trail, the Benton Mackay Trail, the Pinhoti Trail, the Florida Trail, and then some other littler things kind of in between. So what, what are some bu- bucket lists in the future, though? Like, what are you looking to do, hopefully? Oh, man, the Great Divide Trail. Yeah. That uh, through the Rocky Mountains in Canada. Oh, man. You know, just... It, it combines just being way out there, you know, really remote, remote trail. And uh, it gives you so many different options. Like it's not such a, such a strong footpath, say like the PCT, where you just stay on that one red line on a map. You know, you kind of have so many options to go up like higher up into the mountains if, you know, on these high routes if... Uh, that is appealing at the time or you could stay lower in the valleys so great divide trails looks awesome and you know maybe some more desert things and i don't know i just want to hike as much as i can and you know i kind of figure like i'm trying to like learn as much as i can in the states and then maybe branch out into more uh like other countries because it kind of scares me a little bit you know being in another country and you know what if something goes wrong you know at least in the states like I'm more familiar here. So I was curious about like, if that ever is on your mind, you know, have you done much international travel? No, not at all. Yeah. Just Canada really. Huh? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I want to do more U S hikes and, uh, it seems like, you know, we, we've kind of been hiking the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Now you're thinking of coming back to the U S and I'm thinking like, Oh yeah, it looks like some cool stuff in Italy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we briefly mentioned, uh, John, can we just talk about how, you know, I've been watching his stuff for a while and I remember recording a podcast with him a while back, I think maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, it was a great podcast. Uh, thank you. I thought it was awkward because I had no idea anything about hiking and I didn't know much about him and how much of a badass he is. Um, but I just watched his Alaskan Bumble. Like that seems so wild. Uh, just to be out in the middle of nowhere, talk about like isolation. Jeez. Yeah, absolutely. John, John is, John Zahorian is both an incredible hiker and, you know, incredible filmmaker and, um, yeah, very, very good friend, you know, inspired me to, you know, do so much of what I do now and really just supported me and pushed me. And, you know, so I got a, a lot to thank him for you know, him and his uh, buddies in Utah. So let, let's, let's, let's talk about gear. Um, does gear interest you? It's, it's part of, you know, helping people get ready and prepared. Um, but it sounds like you've gone through the journey that most of us have by, you know, packing a lot and then paring it down. Was there a point when it was just like, aha, like the less I bring the, the, you know, the less I'll be prepared, but there's a balance of like not killing your feet and like not killing your back. Um, cause I, I would call your ultra, ultra minimalist, like eight pounds base weight is insane. 
crazy. No, I, I think the last hikes I've done like six pound or maybe even five. What? What? <laughs> but yeah, I I kind of felt that, you know, the day I stop trying to improve in some way, either physically at hiking or just mentally or the gear that I choose, I, the day I stop like looking at that stuff and considering that stuff is, you know, the day I'm no longer interested, you know, and I, it, I just always want to be pushing myself to like do something more, or carry less or, you know, just go harder. So gear is, I, I try not to get like complacent with it. I always want to try something new or, you know, just see what I can get away with. And I think in a lot of ways that can be a little bit dangerous, but I try not to really like promote you know, the danger, I, I think there's nothing better than, like, get out on your home trails, try this stuff out over and over and over again, you know, because you hear stories every month of people that are getting, like, rescued off trails, and I never want to be one of those people, you know, so I want to know, like, my stuff just around and back and every which way. Um, so, yeah, I, I still, you know, I'm always thinking about the gear I'm bringing and how I can carry less and bring less and just be more minimal with it you know not as kind of like a game of you know like oh I have the less stuff but more so just I feel like I enjoy having less stuff I focus more on the hike instead of you know spending more time packing up in the morning or spending more time organizing my things or trying to search for that thing you know I have just exactly what I need and you know, I know where it all is and I can access it as quick as possible. And I feel like you could go on different hikes with different mindsets. Like maybe if you're by yourself and kind of looking to push yourself uh, to break a record or to just do like 30 or 40 miles a day. Like, yeah, you're going to want to be ultra light, but there's also the element of maybe you're going with some friends and you might want to enjoy yourself and have some comforts because it adds to the experience. Like it depends, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was really like Andrew Skirka, just a very, very well-known hiker out there has done some crazy stuff. He, you know, brought up the point of like, you know, it just depends on the type of trip you're after, you know, and, uh, I was just on the floor trail, hiked it with my girlfriend. So I knew it wasn't going to be quite as much of a suffer fest as maybe the first time <laughs> around where I was setting a speed record you know, so this time around, like, I actually carried a stove, and I had a little fishing pole with me. Oh, and, man. You know, so <laughs> there was a there was a couple little, like, extra things in there, but even then, like, me and Lotus were trying to, you know, like, well, what gear can we share? You know, how can we make both of our packs lighter um, while remaining and having everything we need, you know? I, I think you referred to... Uh, like a solo hike that you were pushing yourself as like a bat out of hell. Uh, is there like an element of suffering on a hike that you kind of enjoy, like putting up with the elements, like maybe sleeping where it's a little too cold, but you know, you wake up early and you just like start moving to warm up. Does that, does that sound crazy or no? I, I kind of like to push myself to the limit a little bit on hikes sometimes. Yeah. There's uh, I I've kind of felt that, you know, these aren't, they may look like vacations or something, but think, would you enjoy just sitting on a beach for like three months straight? Hell no. No, you'd lose your <laughs> mind, you know? So you, you got to have those ups and downs. And so I think that's certainly part of it. You know, you don't have the highs without the lows, but then 
also with like you know the cold or maybe carrying a little less insulation um you know i felt well maybe i'm going to be cold like one percent of the nights or five percent of the nights but the vast majority of the time i'm going to be real comfortable and my pack is going to be lighter so that's kind of how i've looked at that specifically you know like I could prepare and carry what I need for the coldest night imaginable, but what's going to be like the most average and am I still going to be safe? So cool. Yeah. So let's just go run through maybe some of the gear that you've enjoyed and kind of settled on and don't change as much. Like how do you cook? Like, do you enjoy cooking with a stove or do you try to do some kind of cold soak? Well, I feel with cooking, most of my trips are, you know, definitely the goal is hiking and just hiking as much of the day as I can. So generally I get to camp and I'm a little bit like too tired. I don't really want to wait for my food. So, um, I've, I've found cooking to just become like a chore after not too long, <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people kind of find that similar on through hikes where, you know, you're just sitting there staring at your stove, so hungry, waiting for that water to boil. And then you got to find more fuel canisters in some random town and it becomes such a mess. So yeah, I've actually, I just cold soak my food and generally I eat uh, whole pinto beans that have been just like, you know, sitting in some water for the past 30 minutes. And I add like some olive oil to that and some like chili seasoning to that and some Fritos to give it some crunch and uh I've eaten that like bean dinner that I just described hundreds and hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of times just you know night after night and I still somehow love it and when I don't have it you know this this hike on the Florida trail we carried a stove and I just missed the beans man <laughs> it's ridiculous but um what about sleeping how do you usually sleep in a tent uh, z packs or do you cowboy camp what what do you like to do well, I, I started out with the tent, just like a tiny thing on the Appalachian Trail in 2012. And I saw this other guy with like a more ultralight tent that was even bigger than mine. So I saved up my money and, you know, I just looked at that like dream tent, like this is the one, man. You know, and I finally bought that tent like a year later when I had the spending money. And I got it. And immediately after, I'm like, you know, I'm going to give a tarp a shot too. I'm just going to you know, buy a tarp and maybe take it out on an overnight or two, but this tent is the one, you know, and I tried the tarp and I never used that tent again. <laughs> so I, I just sleep under an open tarp, you know, I can kind of pitch it in different configurations to, you know, block out the weather, but I, I really appreciate the openness of it. And I feel like I'm more connected to the world around me. You know, I'm not so blocked off. I can look out on the forest around or if I hear a noise I can actually look at it instead of opening my tent doors or you know when the rain is falling it's it's like right there I can reach out and touch it you know it's not really touching me if I don't want it to but so yeah I just use like a little tarp you know that's big enough to keep me keep me dry and keep me out of the wind and you know very just minimal shelter system yeah, there's trade-offs, there's pros and cons to all these, but the one thing I worry about are animal encounters. Have you ever had any uncomfortable animal encounters while you're trying to sleep? I have not. Yeah, I've I've never figured like how many nights I've slept under a tarp, but certainly, you know, well over well over 400 or something nights under a tarp and I've never had 
like an animal join me under there or anything <laughs> like that. Wow. Um, I, I understand the fear and I actually, you know, people think about like snakes. Well, a snake is going to join you like a nice warm body. Right. Yeah. But I asked like a, uh, college, I guess, biology teacher or something. And, but he breeds like snakes and exotic animals like that. And, you know, he said, well, while you're sleeping, they're sleeping. You know, and then at night, it's generally like it's colder out. So these animals are less active in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's just like making me feel better, but I've just never had that experience. I did actually one time uh, sleeping under the tarp. This was somewhere in South Florida and a pack of wild hogs came through my camp. (laughs) You know, it was just me under my tarp. And here I'm surrounded by probably like 15 or 10 of them or something. And they're just kind of like, you know, rooting around in the dirt. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't really bother them and they didn't really bother me. That's amazing. And they just kind of walked away. (laughs) So, I don't know. I think most animals just don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, you see a snake and what's the first thing it does? It Most of the time it runs away. You know, any animal, just uh, you see a bear, it probably ran away from you. (laughs) You know, not very many are going to like become adversarial unless you're cornering them or trying to mess with like their children or something. Yeah. Growing up in upstate New York, I've always seen a lot of bears and I'm very used to having to carry a bear canister when I hike in the Adirondacks. Um, So that's maybe the one thing that I worry about, but I think you're right. Maybe it's an irrational fear to worry about like rodents running across you at night or a snake curling up. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there's certainly places, you know, like in Yosemite, absolutely those bears want to get your food, you know, in the Great Smoky Mountains, like absolutely. But those are just like such high traffic areas. So I think most of the places I hike are kind of you know, a little bit further out of the way. So you just don't really run into those animals that are so accustomed to, you know, there's bears in Yosemite that they, they know they can knock a bear can off a mountain and it'll break open with food. Yeah. So what, what pack are you currently using? Well, I'm, I'm currently using a frameless pack and I actually use a pack made by John Sahorian, as uh, we mentioned earlier, John has a little backpacking company out of Salt Lake city and you know, with his buddy Andy and, uh, they make some really cool packs. And in the past I'd used some like other stuff, but I found that, you know, a lot of the gear just wasn't accessible that if I needed something, I had to take the pack off and get it. Whereas like the packs John is making, uh, Palante packs, uh, they just have a lot more like pockets where you need them and just all of your stuff is really accessible. So you know, if I need my map, it's right there. If I need my camera, it's right there. If I need food, I can just like reach into one of these like really accessible pockets. Um, so yeah, it's a super minimal pack, but at the same time, I feel like they've really thought about, you know, what the hiker wants and what the hiker needs in a backpack. Yeah. I got to talk to him and pit, pitch, trying it out. Yeah, it's not for everyone. Um, there's so many different types of packs, but I'll agree. Being able to like reach into a pocket while you're still walking and like snack or grab your camera or change batteries or grab water, you know, that's a game changer for sure. Yeah, I just remember how annoying it was that if I wanted to eat some like pretzels, I had to take off my backpack and, you know, and then chances are if I'm taking off my backpack, I'm probably going to sit down and then, you know, the that break is going to turn into a 30 minute to hour long break or something. So 
just having everything at the ready has been really important for me. And, you know, so, and they're just a small company, so I've just supported them through and through some really nice guys. Yes. So for camera, have you used the same camera or has that evolved over time? What does that look like? In the beginning, I was just using my cell phone, but I don't know. I don't buy like the latest and greatest cell phones. So (laughs) the image quality was not great, but at least in those times, I felt like it was the story over the quality, the quality of the story over the quality of the video itself. Um, But since then, I, I did buy a I think it's a, uh, a Lumix G4 or G7. You probably know better than I do, but it's a mirrorless camera, and I really like it. I think it's a really great camera for getting really high-quality video. I've just had a little bit of problem with, like, you know, image stabilization, and, you know, I really have to just set that camera down if I want to, like, film something. So on this last trip, I actually tried out you know, just a point and shoot camera to try and be more like on the go and just run and gun with it. And I think, you know, it was like just a cheap point and shoot Sony. It only shoots in like 1080p, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, like the stabilization is great, you know, and then it had like 20 or 30 times zoom. So I was really able to get some cool shots of birds and uh, animals and stuff. So I don't know, I'm still trying to like figure out uh, what would be best. I think on the next trip, just for the image quality, though, I'll go back to the the bigger camera. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I really liked having the zoom, but, you know, the image quality is, it, it's important. And I just need to work around, you know, the, the faults that that camera has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I did my research on YouTube, I found a lot of hikes that were handheld. And it makes sense because it's much quicker and easier and not too many of them had like actual tripod lockdown shots. So that's kind of where I went with the strategy of what types of videos I wanted to make. And then I also saw a lot of people doing narration or talking to the camera. So I kind of wanted to go in the opposite direction and try to show as much as I could and not tell. Um, so, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to go the opposite direction. Did you find yourself wanting to change your editing style or do you just want to keep doing what you've been doing? I really love the stuff you do because it is so different from so many people out there. Um, at the same time, I think I'm just evolving with it in like little ways, you know, when I'll watch a movie and I'll kind of like catch something and I'll be like, Hey, you know, I could do that, you know? So I'm still, uh, really learning and I guess maybe figuring some of that stuff out. But, you know, I think looking even a year ago at my videos compared to now, I think there's been a very, very large change for the better. And, you know, maybe doing a little bit more, you know, almost documentary style in some ways. And I don't know. So I'm just kind of seeing where I go with it and kind of just taking it taking it a video at a time. (laughs) You know, I I think as long as it's something that I think is fun, then hopefully others will think it's fun too. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think we touched on it at the beginning, but the hiking community is interesting. Um, like I think you mentioned maybe an older, uh, more conservative hiking, uh, community that kind of looks down on this new wave of video creators sharing and documenting these hikes. Um, You've obviously seen that change. Do you think, uh, do you encourage more people to film when they're on the hike? Um, I think if it's, you know, personally, the memories I 
remember best are the places that I took a photo of, you know, the places that I took a little video of, you know, there are so many things that come like flooding back to me, uh, just years later that I didn't, you know, that I just can't look back on so easily. So, you know, I think just for yourself, it's really good to maybe document it in some way, you know, either through photo or for, through journals or, you know, I honestly wish I did more in the beginning. So, I, I would really, I'd recommend anyone to try it out, but also, you know, if it's video that they're interested in, also know that it is a lot of work too, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know, but for those that have an interest in it, absolutely. Yeah, I I think it's given me so much and it's been something really fun to focus on. There are hi hikers watching your videos on YouTube and following your journey, but what amount of those people... Is there a subsection of people wanting to do what you're doing and document as well? Like, do, do you see yourself kind of educating people how to make videos and share the hikes? Or are you more just focused on trying to get people out there to hike flat out in general? If, if I felt like people uh, wanted that information, I would certainly be happy to try and provide it. You know, there may be better people out there. I'm not sure, but... Um, I think mainly my focus is uh, getting people out hiking, you know, getting people out hiking or at the very least being entertaining in some way, you know, so promoting like a certain trail, like promoting the Florida trail, like I've been doing, you know, cause I think it's a pretty special thing, you know, so I think that's much more my focus, but you know, if anyone ever came to me with like questions about, you know, YouTube or video or anything like that, I would answer them to the best of my ability. Um, I don't know how much my audience uh, would want to see like some tutorial or something along those lines though, but I'm not sure. I should ask. It's, re it's really interesting talking to you because I feel like we're literally coming at this point in opposite directions because I was a full-time YouTuber, video creator with a different type of audience before, but they were mainly people learning how to make films and how to monetize their channels in that way. And then I fell into hiking because I wanted to grow, you know, as a hiker and gain more confidence and I'm definitely falling in love with the idea of just hiking for hiking's sake. But um, yeah, it sounds like we're coming at it from different angles. It's it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. You know, I think that's why you stand out so much. You know, because you're you've come from a different a different place than a lot of people. You know, a lot of people maybe just come come into the video stuff wanting to better document their trips, but you were already like into film and stuff. You know, I think similar with John, like that's why his videos stand out so much is that, you know, he already loved making films prior and just found out how much he loved hiking while in the process of that. So I'd love to wrap up this conversation with you telling me about your paintings and your Bob Ross style. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that aspect of you, but when I saw those, they look awesome and I, I kind of want one. I might have to buy one or become a patron uh, on your Patreon page. Yeah, let me know. Uh, you know, if you've got a certain picture or a certain place that you just have like you want a painting of or you have very special memories of I'd love to do something for you but yeah you know I actually I've always loved making art and I actually went to art school when I was younger and 
you know, I, I wasn't, surprisingly, I, I wasn't as into it then. I was just maybe good at it, you know, if that makes sense. So it wasn't actually until I left art school and, you know, I actually got into graffiti. Graffiti kind of inspired, you know, I had just got so much more into, you know, color theory and just like painting so much more, whether it was the letters or it was more traditional, like acrylic paintings or watercolor paintings or oil, you know, so I stopped doing graffiti and just like started painting other things, you know, painting birds and painting mountains. And, uh, you know, now with this like newfound love of hiking, you know, I just want to paint so many different scenes, the different flowers that I've seen along the way or the different birds or the mountains or the trees and the rivers. And, you know, so I've always created art, but it wasn't actually until more recently, I was just loving doing it. You know, and now I paint a lot just for myself instead of like, you know, painting something to share. And I think that's nice too. You know, just now being in kind of like quarantine zone, you know, I've been painting a lot of flowers just around the house and um, just painting like mountains out of my mind. You know, I call them these like dreamscapes, just made up mountain landscapes. And that's just a lot of fun. And, you know, I think I always used art to kind of you know, I had a bad day and I would just sit down and I would just draw for an hour, two hours, you know, just, it didn't have to be good. I just, it's fun to just throw color on paper and make some lines and, you know, it's like a good way to, I guess, maybe take out aggression or anxiety is uh, creating some art. Well, well, the two are such a wonderful interaction uh, or intersection of your passions. And I think it really shows that you're an artist at heart that definitely has some minimalist vibes, but also some chill flow. I, I think that comes across in your videos and chatting with you here. You know, it's it's good. I, I, I dig it. I, I definitely am going to hop on and uh, commission some art <laughs> to try to try to get you to paint something cool, watercolors or acrylic. I don't I don't know what you do. Yeah, now's the perfect time. I got plenty of time to work on that stuff, and I'm definitely in the mood. So, right. so I'll, I'll put some links in the description for people to check out your YouTube, your Instagram, your Facebook page, and your Patreon page. Um, but this was great. I, like I said, this is the first time we're ever talking to each other and, uh, it's nice to be able to slow down and have like a long form conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your podcast it, and thanks just for, you know, reaching out. I've uh, been watching your videos for a long time and, you know, it's cool to actually get to talk to you and get to know you a little bit. And yeah, I really look forward to whatever you're doing in the future. I think uh, you have a very special style about the stuff you do, and it really stands out. Okay, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I am curious to know who is making it all the way to the ends of these episodes. I'm curious to know how you're listening and what you think of the episode. Better yet, please let Jupiter know that you appreciated his time and listened to his interview and if you got anything out of it please let him know that would help me out i'm curious also to know who you want to have on this podcast so the best way to make that happen is to let them know so tweet at them send them dms on instagram just let them know that this show exists and that you would love to have them on as a guest 
I'm always looking for interesting people, whether it's filmmakers, hikers, or just creatives in general. Uh, I'm down to chat. It's super fun slowing things down and having long form conversations like this. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and take care.